No. No, that's not a monster. That's a costume. Hey, Nate, how's it going? Hey, Steven. Pretty good. So we've got some exciting topics today. We're going to get to A Quiet Place, which is a, a big movie. A lot of people I've heard talking about it, so I was glad to finally watch it. Good suggestion. Thank you. Also because you refused to watch Bird Box. I'd love but, to hear your thoughts on Bird Box this episode as well, because yeah, yeah. I will never watch Bird Box. So <laughs> Okay, well, we'll mix, I'm going to mix it in. I think it'll be germane. Okay, perfect. I wanted to talk briefly about a topic named treadmill stunts i texted this to you during the week yes because i was running on the treadmill at a public gym minding my own business using the treadmill the way god intended us to use it by walking running or jogging yes on different degrees of incline right right a girl got on the treadmill next to me put it on slow speed and started doing sideways uh, somewhere between a crab walk like sideways walk and a deep lunge while doing it kind of like side squats interesting facing me ooh facing towards me that's weird and so then i thought of you know what is it ever appropriate because my first thought is this is unnatural and wrong <laughs> but then i thought to myself maybe there's hypocrisy in my way of thinking so i wanted to bring it up to you uh, what do you think about treadmill stunts? Because it, it, I went down a dark, dark rabbit hole. So I, maybe she was working on the obliques. I think mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the sidestepping muscle. I think most gyms now have a place for things like that, where they either have some fake grass, maybe some astroturf. <laughs> maybe it's the CrossFit-looking area where they got the ropes and the things you jump on. And the boxes. The boxes, you know. Old tires. Right. I think that's more the place to do the weird maneuver. I think that's where you're supposed to do that. On a treadmill, now here's the thing. I tried a treadmill once and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. So I, I strictly do an elliptical uh, if and when I go to the cardio area. And it's a cardio cinema in my gym. So it's very dark. So I don't got to see anybody. And they don't got to see me. And no one has to see you. Everything's shrouded in mystery. Put up the privacy curtain. That's right. And get to elliptical. <laughs> Now, if a treadmill stunt results in a fail video, as previously mentioned on the show, I am all for a good fail. Yes. But yes, you are. I think in that situation, I think you have to consider proximity to other exercisers and awkwardness of the motion. Being on a treadmill immediately next to you and then facing you doing this, I don't. I feel like that's weird. Like you should. Okay, do that. but like, how would you feel about this if some person? was in the treadmill right next to you had their feet not on the treadmill but they had their hands on the treadmill and they were doing like a plank on it and they were like walking on their hands not like doing a headstand but doing like a are they doing like a a bugs bunny like walking with their fingers and toes like (laughs) yes crawling like how do you think about that if you were if they were like doing an ab workout but not really using the treadmill i don't think that's the intended use because i don't think you need a treadmill for that you know what i mean i think you could go to an open space crawl around on your hands right you know treadmill is for jogging walking i don't know i am not a fitness expert i know i i felt like i had some hypocritical thoughts because i've seen both fail videos of treadmills which to me bring 
a healthy level of fear while on the treadmill <laughs> that I'm right, going to step right. off to the side and shoot backwards into like a wall. But also I've seen, I would call them win videos of people doing crazy stunts on treadmills, like walking backwards and spinning around and doing all these cool dance moves. And I enjoy it on YouTube. <laughs> right. But not next to you at the gym. But not next to me at the gym. I think if you have a treadmill at home, do whatever you want. Right? Right. Absolutely. Listeners, uh, chime in on it. Maybe yes. maybe they're, I'm being closed-minded to, in the treadmill <laughs> culture. One of the most fun things I saw at the gym is they had the stair master machine. And I guess they sell these futuristic metal like tinfoil suits, I guess, so you sweat more or something. And I saw oh two my. people really hoofing it on the stairs in these tinfoil outfits, and that was pretty amusing. For whatever reason, treadmills, they don't seem sad to me, although you're not getting anywhere (laughs) running in place. But as soon as you get on one of those stair things and the stairs are disappearing below Mm. you, it Mm. seems like some sort of torture device. Yes. Climb forever, climb forever, and then you'll never get anywhere. It's basically like waterboarding. Did you say it's basically like waterboarding? Is that what you no, just said? No, I don't think so. No, what I I'm think, uh, is, all right, hold on a second. I'm going to get that quote. I think something Stair happens in the brain. basically like waterboarding. I think on a, tr- I think, I think on a, tr- got it. <laughs> I think on a treadmill. Tweeted. On a treadmill. <laughs> thank you. On a treadmill, the thing, it's a reasonable thing your mind can grasp. Like you have this conveyor belt, you see it at the grocery store. <laughs> you understand that it's in a loop. Like you, Wait, do you think sense. that's how treadmills started? Someone was at the grocery store. Question. They put their like they put all their stuff up there. Then they accidentally right, like right. put their little toddler up there, and he started walking. And they go, <laughs> "No, Wait. no." Wait, not a to- not a toddler. They put an orange, and it began. And rolling. it started walking. And then they said, <laughs> "Grew legs." No, listen, a treadmill I think makes sense to the human brain. When you're on one of those stairmaster things and you look down. And see a staircase, like a staircase disappearing underneath Fold you. Fold into oblivion. It's an inception situation where your mind is, is it's saying, no, this is not right. Don't, don't do this. And that's why I don't do Stairmasters. <laughs> I saw on your Insta story recently that you are going to be in an ensemble performance of West Side Story along with an orchestra. So I have questions how, why, how cool, what, who? <laughs> All the beautiful sounds in a single word. So, my wife is in an orchestra. No, She's the that's not definitely, the ensemble is definitely only coming in for Officer Kromke. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, goodness. No, no, no. Uh, my wife is a principal flute in an orchestra here in Central Florida, and they had open auditions for a West Side Story performance with the orchestra and uh, i sent in an audition video on a whim yes and got made the ensemble and musical theater is something i had done in the past and really enjoy and i uh, wanted to know if i still got it mm-hmm. so to speak turns out yeah it turns out i was happy to make the ensemble i have so many questions i'm just gonna okay. grill you okay, right yeah. here oh yeah go ahead are there people that are assigned to like tony and maria and then there's an ensemble, or are you all kind of getting assigned different songs? We've not had a first rehearsal yet, uh, so I'm not sure. But there are four main characters. You got Tony, you got Maria. Bernardo? I think Bernardo and one other lady. So there's four main characters in the rest of our ensemble. I imagine we might get oh, some Oh, it could be lines. Anita. It could be Anita and Riff, maybe. Am I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this is going to be performed. I don't think we're going to be in costume, you know. I think right. we're going to be in like, tuxes there. or whatever. Yeah, so we're going to stand in front of the orchestra and sing some of the numbers. So it's not the full musical. It's a like the Les Mis 25th anniversary on YouTube. If you Google that, you see the characters are just kind of singing on sure. a, at a mic. So it'll be like that. But so okay, so you don't know. Like you may be singing tonight. I I, I might be. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> I'm so excited. When is this performance happening? This is May 3rd. It is on our anniversary, which a little backstory. I used to play trumpet in this orchestra for many years, and then I had to leave the orchestra, but my wife got to join, but we have never played in this orchestra together. We've played in it separately for a number of years, but now this is actually the first performance where I will get to sing while she plays, and the performance is on our anniversary on May 3rd. So you guys are going to make eye contact. That's right. Give a nod. Across a crowded dance floor, yes. While you like sing the most beautiful sound you ever heard. <laughs> That's it. And be sure to post stuff from that because it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. There so, will be a recording, right, of this that I will be able to get my hands on? I can buy like a, a VHS tape with your... Yes, I think... I'll find out. I hope so. Okay. I'll do a bootleg recording if anything. Well, congratulations. That is really cool. Okay, let's get to this movie. I'm excited to talk about A Quiet Place, starring Emily Blunt and that guy from The Office. I already forgot his name. Well, you, you don't watch The Office. It's John Krasinski. He plays John Jim Halpert. Krasinski. I did see the uh, Amazon Prime series with him, Jack Ryan. I enjoyed him there. Yeah. Yeah. He was good in there. Yeah, he was good. He's now, yeah, he's kind of like action starry. That's right. I, I like him. I like him in this movie. I like him in Jack Ryan. I should probably watch The Office. A little little confession here right off the bat. I don't often care about celebrity culture, gossip, all that stuff. Right, right. But I sort of, the interviews with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt for this movie and their like little combo relationship, I have to admit, I've seen quite a few videos. <laughs> I find that, and I find their marriage adorable and him kind of aw shucksing like wow i'm married to emily blunt how lucky am i sort of thing okay so i didn't i didn't know that so they are married yes were they married at the time of this yes movie oh wow okay i did not know that so i I think so he directs this movie and stars in this movie and i think at some point in time the story goes that like she read the script and basically said like you have to cast me as your wife in this like i want this which i don't know what it would be like to direct be a director for your talented actress wife? Without a doubt, the best collaboration I've ever had uh, in my life because I have always been a huge fan of hers on screen, but we keep our uh, careers very separate. So I've actually never seen her work on set for an extended period of time. I've never seen her do very intense acting and to see, to be in the room when she does what she does, you get to see why she's so good. And it's really, um, it's really amazing, and I think it's actually made us closer working yeah. together. It's been, it's been really incredible. I think we were nervous about it because in some ways you're sort of a different person when you're at work, and it, you have to embrace that side to each other and allow for it, and, and we just loved it. Like, we'd do it again, and it was just awesome. This is a 95%er, Nate, on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Critic score, 83% audience, which is a little lower. But anecdotally, everyone that talks about this movie, it talks about it like they really enjoyed it. Oh, I was just going to say, like, we typically do uh, 
bad movies or movies with kind of lesser than ratings, except I think we're starting to develop a trend where if a movie's really zeitgeisty, that's right, or really like, man, people are buzzing about it, we want to get in on it. That's right. That's right. So I think that's how this movie came came to us. Yes, and I wanted to talk about Bird Box because Bird Box and A Quiet Place came out around the same time. Bird Box being a Netflix original, not in theaters, but it was still very zeitgeisty, to use that word again. And everybody was kind of talking about that, but also comparing it directly to A Quiet Place. And it seemed universal that everybody said A Quiet Place was better. (laughs) So I wanted to see for myself. Now, I have seen Bird Box. You have not. I have not, nor will I. I will say definitively, A Quiet Place is a better movie, I think. Okay. It is, it is very similar, and maybe we could talk about some of the intricacies later. I, I do think Sandra Bullock does a good job in her movie, but I, I like A Quiet Place better. And I think it does a, a much better job at suspense and using what's on screen to tell a story, because there's not really much talking <laughs> in this movie. Right. Right. Which movie is scarier? So Bird Box is more gory and a little more sadistic in how mm-hmm. people die. And for me personally, that is that gets me a little more. And also you, you don't see the things in Bird Box. Right. Like all there is is like wind and rustling of leaves. So you don't see it. And I think there are moments that are a little scarier. But I think A Quiet Place does better at suspense. Like the whole scene with Emily Blunt in the basement as she's going into labor, incredible amount of suspense. I had to watch this movie. I knew I had to watch this movie in broad daylight because I I did not want to go to sleep having just seen this movie. And I think I chose wisely. Right. Because it is very, it, it is not as scary as Bird Box, but it is very suspenseful. This movie took me a long time to get to watch. I wanted it right away. Right. I basically did a sent out the bat signal to those that I like watching movies with. Like, hey, would you be interested in watching a movie with me sometime in the middle of the day? Right. Ended up looping my wife into it. I didn't think she would actually watch it with me. She oh. did. Oh, nice. So we watched it one, I think, uh, just one day she had off school and about 2 p.m., with a palate cleanser movie in the uh, in the chamber, ready to go, right, right, and then began it with the thought. Well, we told I told her this beforehand. Let's talk during this movie. If anything gets scary or suspenseful, while I don't like talking when I really enjoy the movie, during a right. scary movie, I want a riff track over top right. of the movie. <laughs> so I said, like, let's do this, and we did. No, that's good. So the first few shots in this movie are really beautiful. I think the cinematography is is great. And the mm-hmm. shots of that convenience store down the aisles with the shadows and the light coming through the windows and the little boy running around. The sound the sound editing is incredible too. You know, you hear the footsteps and the pitter patter. Uh, that whole first scene was really set it up nicely. Right. And I do like it respects the viewer where it doesn't have to tell you everything that's going on. We see newspaper headlines. You get from context clues like, okay, you can't be loud. Otherwise, they will kill you. Right. Uh, But we don't exactly know. We don't know what their weakness is, and we don't know why this is happening or where they came from. And I like uh, they gave you just enough information, I think, to be satisfying. Right. I don't like seeing necessarily like how the apocalypse 
happened. Right. I like jumping into it. I think that's what I Am Legend does. I mean, it has some flashbacks to like it all going south. Right. But for the most part, I like the jumping to the like, this is the world now. This is the reality. Now, that is one thing. I just want to jump in here with Bird Box. They don't show the very beginning of the stuff happening, but we do hear that stuff is happening in other parts of the world. We don't know what's happening exactly. Mm-hmm. And it quickly comes to the Sandra Bullock character and, and her immediate people. And so I did like how they set it up in Bird Box. I think that was one okay. of the stronger parts of the movie, the initial part. The way this movie is so quiet is incredible. There's a dissonant piano track at the beginning mm. right after the convenience store scene and it was really beautiful and haunting and that was a that was a nice touch and i think not much music until even the end after that first scene so they did that they chose tastefully what to right. do there i think do you know that they they edited or this movie was edited at times with no sound whatsoever wow and i think that is an interesting way to go about filming a movie where they wanted to edit it in such a way where it's like the actual sound was not that important to the movie, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, that well, confidence in your script and storytelling. Because even script, like, there's just not a lot of talking. But right. when, there is, when there is talking, it's really great. And so I, I do want to say that the, the first scene that, that this family has was well, seems to be like a two, three-year-old-ish boy, and then maybe a nine, ten-year-old boy, and then like young teenage daughter. And the smallest boy is trying to reach for this space shuttle toy in the convenience store, standing precariously on a laundry basket or some box, immediately builds tension. <laughs> like, right from the get-go, you're like, wait a minute, this kid's going to fall, he could drop the toy, all these different things. Right. And so you're already, like, tense. When the father tells him to leave the toy, takes the batteries out, and then the daughter gives him the toy, you know there's a foreshadowing of doom. I did not expect the foreshadowing to come to fruition so quickly at the beginning of this movie. And when they're on the bridge and you hear the toy making the noise, it was, it was just an uh, incredible moment. Yeah. Like a heart sinking, wrenching John Krasinski, like running towards his son. I honestly didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, this, this could go either way. And I have no idea what to expect. And that it was so heavy right at the beginning, but also done really well. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be tough that monster movie. come. I mean, and they show the monster pretty early on. It, even but it's kind of blurry. Quickly, yeah, it's, yeah, it's blurry. You don't get the full full setup. But yeah, the the monster kills the little boy early on in this movie, and you go, oh okay, stakes are high. And I think it also does. It, it sets it up where, okay, clearly no one is safe. You know, because there are some movies, especially bad end of the world monster movies, where you understand, okay, this person's not going to die because they're the star, or this person's not going to die. Right. And so I think this movie establishes early on that anybody might die, so don't even think you know what's about to happen. And I think right. that's that's good. I mean, again, it, it sets it up for a good story ongoing. That's a a trope in monster movies that I really, really dislike. And I think I found that while I was looking at our top five list is if you have a big ensemble cast, but you know who the hero is going to be, then you just go like, all right, here's what will happen. All of these side characters will get picked off one by one in grisly right. murders, <laughs> right, right? starting with the more confident slash cocky characters. And then at the end, uh, they'll kill the main monster. And that is another parallel to 
Bird Box where in Bird Box you could kind of know, you kind of could tell, oh, this something's off with this dude or like all these people are going to die. And so this movie I think does a better job of not letting on what's going to happen. Right. And so when something happens, it is actually a genuine woe or relief or whatever it may be. Well, this whole family that lives in quietness with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, his mom and dad, they have, I think, a proper level of caution a lot of the time. Right. I think some things don't make sense. We'll talk about that in a second. But I'm glad that no one was like completely stupid with like either being like really cocky or really dumb. Right. Because I don't like when in especially in horror movies, one person's just like, "Oh, I'm fine." They don't right. have to worry about this. <laughs> Goes I, out can, I have a shotgun. I can, I can kill any monster that comes my way. Right. Yeah. No, no one did that. So after that first scene of them on the bridge, we cut to the future. Unclear how many years. Maybe just one, two. Does it say? I don't even remember. But we see Emily Blunt is pregnant. And whew, first of all, side note. My family would not last two minutes in this movie if it was reality. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, we, would, we would be goners. I can to attest to that. Silent. I've been in the Robles <laughs> home. It is not a quiet place. So as when you're a parent in those environments, you understand the tension, especially with young children. And so when I saw that she was pregnant, I said, okay, well, now we have the stakes and we have an impending issue that's going to have to happen. And, and I, my initial thought was, oh man, she's going to have to be in labor. She's going to have to do it without screaming or making any whatever. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Then the baby cries. Yes. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Okay. Get it. Okay. I did have the thought, why are you guys pregnant? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That I mean, was... I don't know if that, I mean, like, that's a very like serious thought. <laughs> well, but it was like, I was like, wait, 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 you guys got pregnant? Right. And so that is, and again, it's unclear, again, the timeline of how everything happened. She could have been pregnant before all this went. No, no. I yeah, think it, it doesn't. After. Now, this is also a parallel in Bird Box where Sandra Bullock and another character are pregnant, but they are pregnant before everything starts happening. And so it, it is an exact, another issue where they have to deal with babies in these situations Sound is not an issue in Bird Box. At least in Bird Box, it was like, oh, these people are already pregnant. They probably wouldn't have if all this stuff was actually going down. Right. But yeah, it did, it did seem at best, and this is a judgment call, but it seemed irresponsible, Ooh. especially knowing that these things hear sound and babies cry often. I don't know uh, why you would do that. Anyway, the, yeah, that's, a, very, that's a, a real thought that I had. Same here. So once we're actually in the house... We see Emily Blunt is pregnant, and we kind of see them. They do a couple good scenes of them just living life. They're eating dinner very quietly. The food is on leaves and not plates. I love when they play Monopoly and there's cloth pieces instead of the hard pieces. Right. You know, all that is is great. Using sign language right. back and forth with each other. It is important to know that the, the daughter is deaf. Right. And I do like and has how has a they, cochlear. Is that how you say it? Cochlear? Yes, cochlear implant. Cochlear implant. Or cochlear. Now, now you got me. Right. She has an implant. I do like how that is not overtly pushed on you. Like it, it didn't, it took me a little while to actually realize it. Did you see like the, the, the really creative filming of it where if something is from her viewpoint or it's right on her face, all sounds cut out? I did not notice that. Yeah. So they'll kind of have like 
you know, like the the rustling and everything stops. Oh, when they that's good. either from like her viewpoint or right like close up on her face, which I thought was a clever way of filming it. Yeah, that's very good. There are, I think, the daughter does a great acting job in many moments. Like there's the the dinner scene when they all pray, which is interesting because they don't speak to pray. I was curious how they were going to do that. Right. But you do see the daughter while they're all holding hands, kind of open her eyes and look around. And again, it builds a great character of like, okay, she's she's not 100% bought in to this family. And again, we later understand like she feels very responsible for the younger brother dying because she gave him the space shuttle when the dad and she did. feels like the, uh, the, the parents, or at least the dad, really doesn't love her as much because she thinks, well, he still blames her for right. giving the boy the toy. And so I think the, the daughter does a great job in, in those moments expressing those things. And while the kids are playing Monopoly, they knock over a lantern very loud. And there's a very tense moment of things maybe outside on the roof. And I just want to say those dumb raccoons scared the poop out of me. <laughs> when they dropped down on the floor, when the monster grabbed that one raccoon, it yeah, a little bit of a jump, a little bit of a jump. Yeah, it has a couple jump scares in here from time to time. Let's talk about defending against monsters that can only hear. Like that's their their basic superpower. They're just giant ears, right? And that's how they hunt you. Now, knowing what you know in this movie. Is there anything, because I have a couple things, is there anything you would have done differently as John Krasinski and his family to live in this world? I don't, you know, you could tell that they've thought of a lot of things because there's one overhead shot of, I think, one of the kids, or maybe it's Emily Blunt, walking along a wood floor, and you can see that they've painted where you need to step so the wood floor doesn't creak. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked that. My, my question overall during the movie was, if you're quiet, you can obviously travel. Obviously, walking is would take a long time. Yeah, they put like sand uh, down on the ground so they don't like break sticks and stuff. Right, but I wondered why they didn't seek out other people. Obviously, he was trying to communicate with all his radio setup and everything, but it seemed, I don't know, like they didn't try to reach out or see if there was help. And we do see that one other older guy and the lady in the woods Oof. later. So, we, right. yeah, that was... That was tough, but I don't. I feel like maybe I would have soundproofed stuff more. And I understand you need supplies for that, but to live in a large wooden house, I have a wood house, <laughs> and it can be very noisy and and creaky. And you know, I would have maybe gathered as many cushions as I could, or potato sacks, or ripped rice up bags. the wood floor, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I guess you couldn't because that would make sound. Oh, true. Yeah, you can't like turn on a saw and <laughs> start chopping up your house. I don't know. I I feel like I was satisfied that they had done a good job of most things. Did you have something that you? Yeah, I was not satisfied. Okay. Here are the things. Here are the things I would have done. They go down to a waterfall or like rapids at some point in time. Yeah. And John Krasinski shows his son like, look, we can like talk down here because the sound is a lot louder. Even yell like he yells into the waterfall. Oh yeah. My original thought when seeing that is. I would build my new dwelling right here. Like that is true. I'd start yeah. carving in a grotto into like behind the waterfall <laughs> and be like, "Our family now lives here." Because if you can yell there, I'd be like, "All right." Or I would say like, "That's where we're going to have a baby." The baby, the nursery will right. be the river. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It would make a lot of sense. My so that's one. My yeah. second thing is they soundproofed the room. 
that she was going to have the baby in, I think. Right. They put up a bunch of like decoupage the walls, etc. That was like the vault area. Right. Why don't you just live down there? Yeah, you would think. Why don't you just build like a suit? Like soundproofing is a technology <laughs> that is not in the future. Like people soundproof things really, really well now. Like a music true, studio. True. Right. I'd spend all my time basically making a soundproof bunker where you can talk all you want. I was wondering why they didn't talk, why they didn't have a room to talk. I was, I was curious about that. Like soundproofing, it's, it's not impossible. And even, even if you had a soundproof yeah. space where it's like, we're going to go to a five foot by five foot room that we can stand in and have conversations in and close the door, that feels valuable. I love the one scene where Emily Blunt comes down to John Krasinski. He's doing his radio stuff. And she comes and has music playing. The, again, the sound editing when she's lifting the earbud to his ear and it's kind of faint. And then she puts it in the ear and you hear the music. That moment when you finally hear something significant volume-wise, right? it's amazing how much your brain like kind of has a sense of relief. Like, oh, thank you. Something finally to listen to. <laughs> something right. to take in. And so that was a really cool moment. A side note, I watched this documentary about scientists in Antarctica. And they say that there are places in Antarctica where they would go in like the middle of the wilderness there. And there's just no sound from anything. It's so cold. There's nothing living. There's no trees. There's not really much wind or whatever. Or even if there's wind, like you don't hear it because it's not going through anything. And they say mm-hmm. that your ear struggles to find something to grab onto just to feel grounded in right. that moment. And like, I thought I was like, wow, that must be a crazy experience. And I feel, I felt it a little bit because when they finally do put the music on, it's like, oh wow, I forgot <laughs> what stuff sounds like. But that was a cool moment with him yes. and Emily Blunt. Agreed. And they danced together as a suite, uh, showed their love. Right. Even though they they don't really talk to each other much. <laughs> One thing, John Grzynski constantly tells everyone to be quiet. Like they all like hold their finger in front of their mouth to tell each other to be quiet. I feel like that's kind of implied. You would think everybody <laughs> knows to do that already. Just yeah, re- remind your kids. I'm pretty sure uh, you'd have yeah. to remind your kids a couple times. Well, that is true. So, Emily Blunt goes into labor. What, what happens that the monsters first get attracted to the house? I forget. Uh, does she step oh, on the that nail. nail first? The nail. Okay, yes. that nail. <laughs> and this, after she's... After it happens, it doesn't get fixed. Do you I know. Be, I was so I was like, scared. Everyone's going to step on that nail. That's a, there's a lot of stress from that nail. A lot of stress. And again, a great way to cause some tension with that dumb nail. But when she steps on that nail and yells, and then all the scenes of her in labor with the monsters near her are intense, like so suspenseful, really well done. Just like those 15 minutes of her acting chops there. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Like her holding in painful weeps and then going into labor. Like it was so like in her eyes, just kind of that panic of like. This is worst case scenario right now. Right. I do like how they had a system to let them know when she's in labor, like all the lights turned red. Yes. That was, I was going to say they thought of that. So I was was glad about that. That's pretty cool. And now the rest of the movie is John Grzynski trying to get back to her and getting the kids and all that. And the grain entrapment scene, which. Oh, yes. Coming from uh, growing up in a place where they had silos, like 
corn or grain entrapment was like a real a real thing and kind of a really? real fear of yeah you can like you know you don't play around on top of stuff like that because you can like straight up quicksand drown which is terrible i was wondering i didn't i didn't know that that was the case i thought yeah you would just you know could wiggle your way up but that yeah that was intense when they were in that i think it was corn they were yeah sinking into that was intense absolutely and she was she was trying to tell him not to move because i do know that about quicksand the more you struggle the faster you go down or you gotta dig yourself in right yeah. We had just had our second daughter three weeks before I read the first draft of this script. So I was a wide open nerve. Wound. Now listen, I'll cry at anything like you. I mean, <laughs> you sound like more of a sap than I do, but at the same time, <laughs> no, but I would cry at anything. So I was very emotionally driven to make that a part of the story and make sure that people felt connected to this family. I actually personally think the movie's scarier because you care so much about this family because you don't want anything to happen to them. So when there are emotional moments in the movie, it's very hard because it's a very simple setup and a very um, simple uh, group of relationships that you're keeping track of. And so you don't want anything to happen to anybody. So at, at this point in the movie, we start seeing a lot of the monsters. And I would like to discuss the monsters. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen Stranger Things on Netflix? I have not. So the monster is very reminiscent of the Demogorgon monster in Stranger Things. With the head, the head opens up. Okay. Kinda. And reveals some teeth. And so I was like, okay, that feels a little familiar but for me i i always hope that a monster movie or an alien movie will somehow display a different form of something that is more original mm. and i feel like these monsters again are the humanoid i think their arms are longer than their legs or something like they almost have a monkey like right physique kind of use like four four limbs to right. run along but it's still very much a head arms legs torso still very much a human type shape and i always wonder if you're gonna do that or if you don't have a really original shape don't show it so explicitly i think you know one of my complaints about the movie signs with mel gibson they do such a good job of not showing you the thing the whole movie you see a right. hand or you see a silhouette or a leg you don't see it but then at the very end when they show this green man standing straight up and down in broad daylight you're like ah vulnerable to water <laughs> right but it takes me out of it and so i i almost wish they didn't like at the very end we see them kind of running through the the fields to the house and those kinds of scenes or like the first the very first scene where the little boy gets taken those are good because it's blurry you don't really get a good idea of what it looks like but the really straight on like here it is i, I was less satisfied with that yeah, I I'm with you. It, it's a making things kind of exoskeletony and insecty right. is a good way to like kind of bring some creepiness. So I understand what they did there. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't uh there wasn't really anything too original about them except for the whole like sound. Like that that premise is really fun. Right. Yeah, no that is. That is good. So we get to a scene where the father, John Krasinski, him and the kids are out there. The kids are in uh, this truck, and one of these things are trying to get to them. And John Grzynski comes to the conclusion that he has to sacrifice himself to save the kids. And so he's holding an axe, but he drops the axe and then screams. And the mother monster kills him. I want to know why he didn't try to at least use the axe to <laughs> cut the thing. Right. If you're going to sacrifice yourself. Yeah, the whole like 
try to take one swing on your way out. If you're going to sacrifice yourself, because what's the guarantee that if you sacrifice yourself, your kids can then get away? Yeah. He wasn't that far away from them. (laughs) Right. Or why didn't he throw the axe to try and make a noise elsewhere to distract it? Right. Using the fireworks felt like a good idea for like a lot of sound. I would have liked to have more noisemakers. Like if the right. whole thing if the whole thing was basically, hey, if there's a loud noise about, you can be louder. I would have liked to be like instead of lights strung up everywhere, there were a bunch of clanging bells. Yeah. yeah and they yeah. just made a cacophony of sound. Like that was the whole thing. Or have some kind of explosive on the corn silo and blow a hole in the side so there's corn falling out like a waterfall. That masks the sound. Good See? idea. Good idea. I'm pretty proud of that idea right there, yeah. So he sacrifices himself. So he dies. The kids like pull the emergency brake. Pretty sad. The truck yeah, that's sad. Kids get back to the house with Emily Blunt, who is amazingly up and around sh- firing a shotgun after just giving birth. Very impressive. Baller. <laughs> and we do find out that the the girl's cochlear implant. I guess when it's malfunctioning, gives off this high-pitched thing, and it hurts the monsters or whatever, and they figure out they can use that to kill. Yeah, it's like feedback, basically. Yeah, like feedback. And then we see a bunch of monsters running towards the house because they hear the shotgun fire, I assume. Emily Blunt looks at her daughter, and they're like, all right, we got this now. And then the movie ends, and I was a little... It left me a little wanting. Oh, I, I was down for it. That actually, like, I enjoyed that ending. Did you? I enjoyed that ending because it's like now it's more of a fair fight because like now we have weapons that can actually hurt this thing. True. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I guess I was hoping for a resolution where if those things actually made it to the house, maybe they kill a couple more and then they find that they're safe and then it ends. But I get it. I mean, I get it. They found uh, a blind community at the end of the movie. <laughs> Which is the I mean, a deaf community. Bond. Right. Right, right. Well, how did you think of the baby solution? So after Emily Blunt has the baby, John Krasinski gets back, and they have this little soundproof wooden box that they've made, and they have an oxygen tank oh, man. for the baby. So they can put the baby in this thing, close the lid, and this way you can't hear it crying, but they have, the baby has oxygen to breathe. I thought that was smart and also made me think, are you going to do this every time the baby cries? Yeah. Because it feels like... I think so. Be good. I think so. <laughs> they, would have, they would have to. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> but... Yeah. Man. Intense. That's an intense solution. One last thought on that scene. When Emily Blunt is in the basement and it starts flooding, I'm not really sure where the water's coming from or why it starts flooding, but it starts flooding and one of those things are down there with her. Oh, under the water? <laughs> Yeah, she she steps in the water to to, to grab the baby. When that thing goes on the water, be like, nope. You know what? I'm just gonna yell. (laughs) Like, let's not do this. I'm out. (laughs) Yes, that was. I think if you had to like picture yourself in the scene, if you are Emily Blunt, the moment like the baby, like you have to get to the baby because it's filling with water. But then that monster like slinks into the water. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I would. Adam. I think I just pee my pants and die. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so this is the episode opener now. No. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Emily Blunt is the is the star, like the acting yes. star of this movie. 
I don't think yes. anyone else is bad by any means. I think everyone like is fine. No one yeah. like there's no bad acting in this movie in my opinion. But her performance to me carries this movie. I agree. And I thought John Krasinski's good. Yeah, he do, he does well. And the two scenes of him talking to his son by the waterfall, mm-hmm. they use the few lines of spoken dialogue well, I think, when the boy is talking about his sister. The final scene of John Grzynski telling the daughter, I've always loved you before he dies. Like, those are good, nice yeah, moments. Good moments. Yeah. And I do think Emily Blunt is the star. Comparing directly to Bird Box, I do feel like Emily Blunt does a better job in this kind of movie, in the acting and the creating of the suspense and the tension. She does really well. And I don't, you know, people didn't like the end of Bird Box when Sandra Bullock finds the, the blind community. Mm-hmm. I was fine with it. It was like the end of I Am Legend, where the lady and her son find the Fort Knox of zombies right. or whatever. I was fine. It was fine with it, but. All right, let's do it. On a scale of zero to five, is this too sad to say space shuttles? Space shuttles? Yes, always? too sad. Different one. That's too sad, right? We got to do it's, something different. It's too sad. It's too sad. From zero to five cloth monopoly pieces. Mm. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think you went first last time. Yes. Jackson, Jackson, if you still listen, I checked the spreadsheet. <laughs> it, is, it is grossly out of date. <laughs> so we have no idea what we're doing. Not asking you to keep up, but just saying, uh, yeah, we have no idea who, who rated last time. <laughs> but, but do your job. But do your <laughs> but job. <laughs> so I'm going to rate this movie four cloth Monopoly pieces. I think it is a very strong movie. I think the movie cover made me think it was going to be more scary than it was. Yeah, it really had a horror movie-esque uh, cover. It really had a horror movie thing, and it, and it was not. You know, I wouldn't say this is any more scary than The Happening, stuff like that. So I, I think this is actually a, if you want to see a sus- very suspenseful, tense movie, but not like a terrifying movie, like this is a good choice. Like this, mm-hmm. is, a great, this is a good movie, uh, especially if you're, you're like that kind of stuff. Emily Blunt does an amazing job. The, the ending again. I, I didn't love it, but I was I was satisfied, and overall, I think just really strong. So four four cloth monopoly pieces. All right, I'm going to give a quiet place three point seven five cloth monopoly oh. pieces. Yeah, a little bit okay. lower than you, and here's why: repeatability of viewing. Sure, odds are low. Sure. I I got my fill. I liked it. Bits of it, as far as how they uh, soundproofed everything, and the idea of like, can't you just soundproof more? You're unsatisfied through the (laughs) through the movie, but the acting is so good. The suspense is excellent. Like you said, the monsters maybe could have been maybe shown less or designed a little bit differently. Overall, I recommend it. I don't like the disturbing images of other movies like this. That's why I'm not going to watch Bird Box. I did not enjoy yeah. the happening. I don't enjoy like gore just for gore's sake. Yeah. This movie does not have any of that. It has like violence, absolutely. I think it's just as effective to have someone like blown off the screen in a one moment of violence than like sliced in half and then cut slid off the top, you know, off the bottom half yeah. of their body. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Because one doesn't leave me uh, up at 2 a.m. thinking about it like the other. Right. So. Right. But it's probably as intense slash horror-y as I plan to go in life. Horror-y. Let me yeah. make sure I pronounce that second syllable. <laughs> because that's an actual word? No, not at all. I But I put a hyphen in there. 
Oh, okay, very good. Let's get to our top five because <laughs> we got to figure this out. <laughs> help me, help me, help you. Are you including this movie in the top five, I or am. at least in the in the running? Okay, I am. Same, same here. Okay. I think I think I actually have a top five that I'm I'm ready to. Uh, do you have honorable mentions? To go with. I'm mostly just looking for you to like. Yes, give me some. Give me some people. Let me let me give you some honorable mentions. Maybe it'll help you out. I'm doing. I, I, we didn't. We talked about dinosaurs and the Meg, but I am putting Deep Blue Sea in my honorable mentions. Okay. With LL Cool J, Samuel L. Jackson. I haven't seen it in a long time. Probably doesn't hold up, but I enjoyed it, and I would consider that kind of a monstery movie. Like these sharks are freakishly smart and scary. Okay. This next movie, I literally remember nothing about it, but I remember seeing it. And I just felt like putting it in here is Lake Placid with the giant alligator. <laughs> right. That's there. Underworld. I don't know how many of these I've seen. I think there's about 18 Underworld movies, if I'm not mistaken. What are the monsters in Under? Is it just vampires? Is that what the... And, and werewolves. I think there's werewolves too. Okay. So I would consider it a monster movie. So I would say Underworld, Kate Beckinsale. The Blade series. Again, probably on rewatching, they won't hold up great. But I did enjoy watching them. They left a strong impression. And the last honorable mention is the 2005 King Kong movie. I enjoyed watching that. From what I can remember, it's probably is that Jack Black in that one. No, no. Oh, yes. I don't. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. But I remember it being decent, like not not terribly campy. Okay. So I'm going I'm to put that in my honorable mention. The 2005 King Kong. I did not see Kong Skull Island, which I remember you wrote a, a scathing review of that movie <laughs> at some point. I did. Yeah. Do you have any that you want to put in honorable mentions? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> okay. Do you have a list that you feel you can proceed with? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, well, let's go for it. Is it... Uh, do I go first? I'll go here first. Again? I'll go you first. go first. Okay, go. Yeah, here go, we go. go, go. Number five... Is the Balrog. Balrog? Balrog. Balrog. Yes. From Lord of the Rings. Yes. Bringing about the infamous line, You shall not pass. I like it. It doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. It impacted me. I think this is how I like my monsters. As small bad guys in a greater tale. Maybe that's why monster movies by themselves, eh. I like them to be smaller parts of larger epics. That's a good point. And if I was doing individual monsters, the Balrog would definitely be in my top five. Very impressionable Mm -hmm. monster. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's good. All right, well, my number five is a movie. It's Lady in the Water, starring Bryce Dallas Howard and Paul Giamatti. Yes. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think it falls safely in the monster category. Not only Bryce Dallas Howard being kind of a fantastical creature, but there is a dog-like wolf monster, and there's the eagle. A lot of of monster-type characters. I know there are a lot of mixed reviews of this movie. Some people think it's really weird. It is really weird. It is really weird. It's not some people think. It is is very (laughs) weird. It's whether you like the very weird or not. Yes. For me, I liked the very weird. I will say safely, I had maybe a small crush on Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie, but mm. overall, I enjoyed this movie. I actually think Paul Giamatti does a decent job, like however weird the, the story is. Like it's, it's, I enjoyed it, and I saw it like a couple times, not just once. So Lady in the Water is my okay. number five. 
Number four for me, Quiet Place, the one we just watched. All right. My number four, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to put A Quiet Place at number four. I had it very close to number four, and I think I'm going to rejigger it. So, yeah, I agree. Number four, A Quiet Place. Okay. Man, I'm missing so many monsters. Anyway, all right. Number three for me is King Kong. I'm not going to choose a movie because I think none of them are like incredibly great. Right. But I think just the size of King Kong, kind of cool. Yeah. I'm also down with a monster actually kind of helping you at the end fight against other ones. Yes. Yes. Other worse monsters. We're going to have to see that new Godzilla movie that's coming out. Right. Just saying. Right. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be great. It's going to be terrible. (laughs) All right. Now, these next couple are going to show my love for bad movies. Here we go. But the next one is Van Helsing, starring Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. I know this is probably not a great movie, but for whatever reason, I watched it many times when I had it on DVD. Really like Hugh Jackman. I think Kate Beckinsale is in this one also, kind of doing a quasi-underworld role. But uh, yeah. I liked that movie for some some reason. I think it was because of the mixture of all like the f- fantastical story characters in one kind of thing. It's kind of the League of Extraordinary Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, right? For a, there, for a Transylvanian type of monsters, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, Van Helsing is my number three. Um, a little <clears throat> a little tidbit for you. While in Seattle, at some point in time, I went to a museum that had the official prop uh, crossbow. From the movie Van Helsing. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I needed to include that in my top Archer's movie. I can't believe I didn't. <gasps> oh, you want to plug them in here? Do you remember your, your list? I think it would probably go above Hawkeye under Katniss Everdeen. I just found my list. Okay. I think I would put him as number three. And I would knock off the, uh, the, the CW Green Arrow. Okay, so that perfect. Out. That works yeah. out. You were bending so Van the Helsing anyway. is under three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, okay. Anyway, what's your number? My, my number two is Dracula. Ooh. I will get my Dracula self. See, I don't really like vampire movies too much, but I watched the movie Dracula Untold. Oh. 2014 movie with Luke Evans as Vlad. And this is kind of a Dracula origin story. Interesting. I thought that this... I actually sort of liked it. It is kind of like starts with a guy who is bent on control and power as kind of a good thing at first. Hmm. But then like all things, when you are seeking power and control to stop bad things from happening to the people you love, it sort of twists him and he eventually becomes Hmm. full on Dracula. A real rise of the Sith situation. Yes. That's for you, Jacob. Only a Sith deals in absolute. I'm looking at the uh, the photos here on IMDb. It looks kind of like a fun movie. Medieval. You haven't seen it before, huh? I have not seen it. Uh, it looks kind of fun. Yeah. It's, uh, I recommend it as if you like that kind of Van Helsing-esque feel. Well, flavor. as my previous pick implies, uh, <laughs> I actually do. Okay. My number two, again, penchant for not excellent movies here. Tremors. No, just kidding. Uh, the Worm! <laughs> I'm putting Pacific Rim as number two just because I, I really enjoy watching 
big robots uh, fighting big monsters. And I'm doing the first one, not the second one. Uprising was not good. But the first one, I mean, also not good, but I enjoyed it more. <laughs> so. hmm. Pacific Rim. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll put, the, I'll put the kaiju in my honorable mentions, I guess. Yeah, that's a, okay. Thank you. Yes. All right, well, give me your. My number, number one. My number is, one. Wow. Okay. I went Balrog, Quiet Place, King Kong, Dracula. That's right. Number one, and this is kind of, I'm just thumbing my nose at monster movies in general with this final pick, <laughs> Okay, is The Kraken from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, good pick. Now, Pirates of the Caribbean, not a monster movie, really. Krakens in general, or giant squids, underwater beasts to me are so much more scary than above ground kaiju. Like I find the kaiju more scary when they're underwater. Giant right. beasts underwater are terrifying. And I remember <laughs> the scene of the Kraken coming up and just wrecking this pirate ship. Yeah. These giant tentacles. That is wonderful. That is what a monster should be, in my opinion. That is a good I think all Krakens. Point. I'll just give them like any Kraken to me is <laughs> A perfect monster. Yeah, that is a, that is a very good choice. Well, my number one. Oh, zero. Oh, zero. No, I'm the 1998 oh, Matthew Broderick. Got, no, I, <laughs> I really thought about doing it just to mess with you, but no, I'm not doing Godzilla. I'm actually doing another M. Night Shyamalan movie. And you might push back on this because there's not technically a monster in the movie. <laughs> what? But my number one is The Village, M. Night Shyamalan. Now, I understand the monster is people in a costume, but we don't know that until the very end. And this is one of the monsters that, yes, it has arms and a head, but I felt like was actually kind of a cool look. Something that kind of resembled an animal, kind of like a boar, but the long fingernaily like claws and stuff. I don't know. Something about it. I, I, I liked it. And even though we see it full on in the daylight in the woods, it still kind of was creepy. And I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I have been, I have been kind. <laughs> until now. No. What? No, that's not a monster. That's a costume. Yeah, I know. That's a costume from the... So it's not a, it's, so it's not a monster. It's like in Scooby-Doo. They take off the mask but, and like, it was the innkeeper the whole time. But here's my defense, is I wasn't, I didn't know to do individual monsters. So I was trying to do monster movies. And as a movie, it really pivots on these monsters. The whole in the dark, the whole fortress thing. Okay, okay. You know, you're going to get hurt if you go in the woods by yourself because there's monsters out there. The, the premise is monsters, even though it's just dudes in a suit. Like monsters are the pivotal character, honestly, like that progresses the story forward. So that's why I consider it a monster movie. Do you know it has Bryce Dallas Howard in it again? Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm very much aware. But I do feel like M. Night Shyamalan, for what it's worth, in regards to monsters, I like his take on them. Even though the one of them was a costume, like, I don't know. 
like in Lady in the Water, we never we never see that wolf thing. Oh no, we do see it full on. Once. Yep, we do running across. But it's in the dark and it's raining. Yeah, but it's it's not as broad daylighty signs kind of thing. I don't know. Okay, then I will change my list slightly and say Enemy of the State, a 1998 movie with Will Smith. <laughs> the monster there is surveillance and the Big Brother nature oh, of word. over <laughs> of That's industry ridiculous. and the government. If the you think government. about it, <laughs> aren't we all just anyway? My my pick might have been a little yeah. I think if we went with, I think the village had great suspense in it. Yeah, that's right. That's I want. We can talk about the end of that movie and about all of that at another time. I think we should do the village as as a movie. That would require me watching the village again. 